This is the Millennial Realtor Podcast. Today I'm here to interview Jason Gordon, who is a divorce lending expert. And uh, his designations are CDRE, RCSD, CDLP, and we'll go over those designations briefly on why that's important. This topic is about uh, divorce and, and real estate, and it's a very heavy topic. And uh, I went through a divorce myself personally, so I know that there's a lot of things to kind of look out for, and, and you're going through an emotional time that you need somebody like Jason to walk you through step-by-step basis. So before we uh, bring him in on, we will have a quick short break and uh, go from there. Okay, Jason, thanks for coming in today. My pleasure. Thanks, Conrad. Absolutely. Thanks for coming in. So you are a divorce lending professional. Yes. So you have three designations. I do. Okay, and that's the Certified Divorce Real Estate Expert, Real Estate Collaboration Specialist, Divorce lending, certified divorce lending uh, professional. That's a lot of, of alphabet soup after my name here. <laughs> so yeah, I'm happy to explain to you and to your viewers a bit more information about okay. what those are. So in the order of which I acquired these credentials, the first one is called an RCSD. stands for Real Estate Collaboration Specialist in Divorce. I was personally trained by a woman who graduated Harvard Law School cum laude designation, who is now a law school professor at Vanderbilt University. Um, very, very intelligent woman who tours the country essentially speaking with real estate, I'm sorry, with uh, attorneys, mm-hmm. family law attorneys, and, and kind of beating them up a little bit, saying, you know, it's her assertion that these attorneys are not doing enough due diligence in that discovery period um, and when helping a divorcing homeowner. Right allowing and or encouraging that divorcing homeowner to make legally binding decisions based on assumption or emotion when they should be using fact to base these decisions. And one thing many attorneys will tell you, it's really hard to get a do-over in family court because you didn't do your due diligence up front. Right. Uh, So uh, that was the first credential I achieved, and that was a lot of education specific to the legal terminology and the legal process the challenge with that designation is that the instructor, to my knowledge, has never originated a mortgage loan or sold a home before. Right. So a lot of book smarts, <laughs> not a lot of street smarts for folks like you and I. Sure. Um, and so intuitively, I knew I wanted to get more information. I did uh, have the blessing to discover the divorce, uh, divorce um Lending Association, sure. sorry, there's a lot of different criteria. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Divorce Lending Association creates the Certified Divorce Lending Professional, or CDLP. Okay. That's a lot of street smarts. Hmm. You know, these are mortgage professionals deciphering Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac underwriting guidelines, working with attorneys, and it's a really good combination of book smarts and street smarts. And um, one thing that we went over when we last spoke was that... Um, they have an image where it has four puzzle pieces. And they right. say that there's four variables, four puzzle pieces that divorcing homeowners have to navigate through mm-hmm. when facing the process of divorce. First puzzle piece is the legal side. Whether right. they get an attorney or not, there's a legal you know, contract or yeah. recourse that has to happen. Yeah. At the end of the road, there's a judge. Mm-hmm. You know, there's legal protocols and terminologies and timelines and stipulations. And so... That becomes puzzle piece number one. Puzzle piece number two 
are potential tax implications. Wow. If they have capital gains, if they're liquidating a 401k at, at an early age or things like that. Puzzle piece number three, I mentioned they're homeowners, so we have real estate. And where there's real estate, there's also puzzle piece number four, which is mortgage lending. Right. And if you ever saw the image that they use at the CDLP yeah. training, these puzzle pieces are lined up, but they're not quite fastened. And the reason they're not fastened is because each professional in those respective four puzzle pieces works on their own piece, but does not collaborate typically. That puts the burden of connecting those pieces on the divorcing homeowner, who's not usually an expert on any one, much less all four of those pieces. And oh, by the way, they're going through one of the biggest emotional traumas of their life and may not, right. may not be thinking straight. Bottom line is we can be doing better. And that's the assertion behind the CDLP. Last but not least, the last of the alphabet soup, if you will, uh, is what's called a CDRE, Certified Divorce Real Estate Expert. Uh, that's through the Alumni Institute. Um, one of the most credible, if not the most credible that I've ever seen in mm -hmm. terms of the, the people running it, the education. Um, the woman who runs the Alumni Institute is a huge uh, real estate agent when it comes to helping divorcing homeowners. Uh, three different family law attorneys on her board, a judge on her board, a mortgage underwriter on her board. Just amazing, amazing people. And I was trained in a 40-hour classroom training that involved me going to the family courts on how to be a actual, what they call a 730 expert, where attorneys can bring me onto the stand mm -hmm. in, in family law cases. And wow. so, a lot of education, and I guess um, to kind of summarize it all, I know it's a lot of dialogue. Here. Yeah, that's okay. I don't do this for the alphabet soup behind my name. Uh, the education behind this has allowed me to help folks like yourself, mm -hmm. to help family law attorneys, to help divorcing homeowners in a very ethical way, and that's really what it's all about. Yeah, and, and, and I, you're the only one that has all three, though. Only one. Only yeah. one. And I think that's kind of great because I think a lot of times people don't, this subject is such a sensitive subject that um, either people take advantage of it or they're not knowledgeable in it, they want to help. There's just everybody in there, but you're the expert. And I think that that's kind of great to have somebody who's hit all, all three of those. And then <clears throat> going back to the, you know, when you started out with that four puzzle pieces where it's tax, real estate, legal, and mortgage all put together. I think that's that's just critical, and I think yeah. nobody really um, kind of puts all the puzzle pieces together into such a um, dramatic change of life for 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 two people and possibly more with kids involved. Yes, we're we're starting to see pushes in, in different ways to dispute <clears throat> resolute or re find resolutions for these divorce cases. Traditionally, we always had mediation arbitration or litigation. And in the last few years in certain states, California being one of them, we have what's called collaboration. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind that is really what we're piggybacking on as well, right. which is let's get a meeting of the minds. Let's all kind of rally on behalf of these divorcing um, folks to really represent them at a high level, give them facts to work right. with. And so whether you want to call it puzzle pieces or whatever you want to call it, we're collaborating together to help give clarity to divorcees at a time where they really are grasping for clarity. And with all the respect to you know, the people I'm mentioning right now, we don't want them getting mortgage advice from their hairdresser right. or you know, legal advice from the person that they know and their family who got right. divorced eight years ago. 
it's a case by case situation. They need mm -hmm. professionals knowing the specifics of the case. Right. I mean, how I see it is <clears throat> you have the access to uh, the power of owning the, the property, being in the lending industry. Mm -hmm. Me, being in the real estate, we, we own the asset, and, and together it's, it's there. You know, we're the professionals in there, yeah. and uh, put it all together to, just to, to make sure we get the job done right. Um, and, uh, you know, so that there's more, not more problems. <clears throat> just on a little off topic, you know, we... Me, myself, and my family, we went at through um, a um, little bit of a rough patch on a trust situation with Grandma's house. Mm -hmm. and, and with all due respect to attorneys, not all of them know about real estate or lending or taxes. And <clears throat> that's what I learned through my personal experience on that. So when you put that four pieces together, you're so dead on right. And, you know, they are very intelligent people, but I think... You know, bottom line is they want to get the job done for their clients, and a lot of times they, they they're not going to take their time to say, okay, let's go, you know, rate shop. Oh, let's go, you know, see if you can qualify for a loan. They're not going to do that. Well, and to to your point, I make a joke with a lot of the <clears throat> attorneys that I that I work with. And where'd you go to law school? Oh, that's a great law school. At what point in law school did you study Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac underwriting guidelines? Right. And it always meets. Isn't that with a giggle? Well, right. Well, we didn't, Jason. Well, great. So why are you giving your clients mortgage advice? Right. Do you give them tax advice? Well, no. I refer them to a CPA. Mm -hmm. Well, just like a CPA would be referred to as a financial neutral, that's what we are. The CDLP program, Certified Divorce Lending Professionals, designed us to be financial neutrals right. in helping them figure out situations. And I think we'll talk about that, about how someone may want to keep a house or not keep a house. It's a perfect right. consideration where we want them to make that decision based on fact, not assumption. Right. Assumptions are very deadly. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll get into that. And um, so what problems have, have you seen or, you know, come arise from your, your perspective? I think a big problem is assumptions, really, to start, okay. to start there. We live in a society, and I'll get off my soapbox quickly sure, here, sure. but <laughs> social media has allowed us a platform to complain about things we don't like, mm -hmm. and there's always someone willing to like or comment or support our post. And we've got this kind of feeling now that if we can justify it, it should be. <laughs> but that's not how things really work. Right. Right. I mean, whether you're involved in a divorce or not, when you're applying for a mortgage loan, there are protocols on how lenders assess risk. Right. If you're applying for an insurance policy, there are protocols on how they assess risk. If it's an auto insurance policy, what kind of car are you driving? How many accidents have you been in? What kind of you know violations have you had? Mm -hmm. Mortgage, you know, we have credit scores, we have right. equity, we have different things like that, and so it's really important to understand kind of our place in the big you know, the big scheme of things, and know that we are going to be scrutinized as consumers by lenders, by insurance companies, and we can't just make assumptions that hey, I'm going through a hard time in my life right now, my marriage is falling apart, you guys should just lend to me and let me keep the house right. or let me get that loan or, or whatever have you. And so to kind of zero in on that a little bit more, with respect to all the attorneys out there, you can't make a backroom deal and tell us what to do. Right. And I'm not being combative when I say that, but say two people are on a <clears throat> loan together. 
we just call it husband and wife, and they're going to get divorced, and one's going to keep the house, and one's going to be removed. Mm-hmm. The one, you know, the attorneys can't just tell Wells Fargo Bank, "Hey, we you need to remove Mister from the loan." There's a contract in place. Right. You can't make someone breach a contract right. because you made a backroom deal. I don't right. know if you're an attorney or a judge. You can't do that. Nor can you force one of us to lend to somebody. Mm-hmm. What if Mister has a 400 credit score? Hasn't worked in eight months. You can't force me to lend to him. Right. Right? So again, not to be combative, but this is where you gather facts so we don't have to have these uncomfortable conversations later. Right. Got to be real. Yeah. Just, we have to know our place in the world. You know, and the goal, I would say the golden rule of lending is those with the gold make the rules. And that's right. the banks. That's the banks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fred, Fred and Fannie, they're going to make those, those uh, banks. Oh, yeah. Okay, um, I guess, you know, going over uh, certain situations, um, what are, you know, some of the options someone's going through divorce that's, that uh, can happen and what are the, I guess, risks? What do you need to look for if you make this decision versus that decision? Well, yeah, I think one of the first things we always want to figure out is, like, in any lending situation, we lenders look at three variables. Mm-hmm. Variable number one, how do our borrowers look on paper? Right. Variable two, what are their goals? Variable three, what are the different guidelines and all the programs that are out there? And how do we find ways to fit these in? And so in the context of divorce, we have to consider those kind of variables, right? How do you look on paper? What are your goals? You know, and do, do we fit? So let's just say, for example, we have a husband and wife that wish to get divorced. We'll keep the numbers nice and simple. The house mm-hmm. is worth 500000 They owe 400000 <clears throat> That's $100,000 in equity. They decide amongst themselves a couple things. He's going to move out of the house. He's going to give her the home. He says, I'll give you the home. I'll move out under two conditions. Number one, I want half of that $100,000 in equity. I want $50,000. And number two, that $400,000 loan that's in both of our names, I want to get off that loan so I don't have this $400,000 debt following me around the rest of my life. Right. And so it seems very fair. They petitioned to their attorneys. Attorneys said, well, that, you know, that seems equal. It's one last thing that you're, you're kind of fighting over. Um, so they communicate that to their attorneys. The sure, attorneys sure, then sure. petition the courts. Right. The judge sees that and says, well, this seems very fair and equitable. We have a court order. It's often only then that she comes up to someone like me and says, I need to refinance this joint loan of $400,000 into a loan in just my name for, for $450,000. And I say, well, you don't qualify. We would have much rather had that conversation early because to get him off of that loan, there's really three options. Yeah. Sell the home right. and pay off the loan and give him his $50,000 or whatever the equity is after cost of sale. Number two is refinance the loan in just her name. Mm-hmm. Or number three, she writes a nice big check for $400,000 out of her checking account and pays off a loan, which most people can't do. Right. And by eliminating option three and her wanting to keep the home that gets rid of option one, she has to refinance. We don't want to find out at that stage of the game that she cannot refinance. So that's where getting me involved early. Worst comes to worst, we find out she can't qualify and I can then position them into a conversation about getting you involved and selling right. their home. Absolutely. And uh, obviously we want people to keep their homes, but 
if you're saying, hey, you can't afford it, then that means you've got to sell the house. And I have a lot of these for very sobering conversations, and I'm, I'm very caring behind this. I'm giving you a lot of just facts right now. Absolutely. But behind it, I'm very, very caring. But some situations involve people who are very emotionally attached to the home, yet they can't afford the home. Right. And we don't want to, and maybe there's memories, maybe it's a pillar of stability, maybe it's involving the kids and not shaking up their lives any more than they're already being shaken right. up by the divorce. I respect that. If you can't afford the house, we're not doing you any favors here by finding some way to put a band-aid on something that's going to cause a foreclosure, you know, a year later. Yeah, and, and the person that does move out, <clears throat> so the, so let's just say they get paid off and then the, you know, the spouse that moves out and moves on, they don't refi the loan, then what, what are the issues that ha come up there? Well, if, you, if the person who moves out is not removed from the loan, right. and we'll just say he moves out, yeah. same example, what if she doesn't make the mortgage payment on time? It tanks both of their credit reports. Right. And so even if he says, well, I have a court order that says she has to make the payments, great. That might help you on some level of applying for a new loan. We may exclude the debt on house A that she's paying for mm -hmm. when qualifying you for house B if we have the proper verbiage in the court order, but it doesn't change your credit score. Right. Think about credit scores for a second. You have three credit bureaus. Yep. They are given data each month by creditors about us consumers. If she stiffs Wells Fargo Bank on you know, for the last two months not making her mortgage payment, right. Wells Fargo is gonna report to the credit bureaus, which is gonna affect the score, which will affect his ability to qualify later on Wells Fargo's not going to stop and say, oh, you're getting a divorce. Okay, we're not going to tell yeah. Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax about your late payments. Of course they're going to. They have to. Right. Yeah, and that, that's that's not very fun to, to deal with uh, all that eventually. So, yeah. um, okay. Um, what are, you know, we beat up on the attorneys a lot. <laughs> we, we, we do, but um, there are realtors that make mistakes too. What, what, what mistakes do you see realtors doing that don't really know the process? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I've beaten up on the attorneys. Yeah. I'm just saying that those who are embracing the resources that they have yeah. are positioning their clients for a better outcome. And Correct. I think okay. a lot of them, in all due fairness, are starting to see the bigger picture. A lot of them don't know about CDLPs or CDREs, but we're here. Good. Um, real estate agents, just like lenders, real estate agents, our barriers to entry to get into our jobs are not high enough, mm -hmm. resulting in a very big array of, of competency. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so one thing I noticed about our, if I can talk about our two positions as a lender and as a realtor, yeah. we help people through transitions in, in their lives. Mm -hmm. If you look at just the bare basics of what we do, we help people through transitions or changes in their lives. Well, there's two types of transitions. There's positive, happy transitions. Right. Negative, not so happy transitions. Yep. And the positive ones usually result in hugs and tears of joy and champagne corks popping. We did it. That may look like us helping someone buy their first home yep. or upgrade to their dream home yep. or buy their first rental property. Yep. But there's also negative transitions such as death, divorce, financial hardships. Metaphorically speaking, what we do for a living is we're fishing, we're marketing, we're trying to find new business. Mm -hmm. 
And if metaphorically fishing is like marketing, we're baiting our hook, we're putting our hook in the water, we're trying to catch these fish. What we're fishing for are these positive transition fish. Right. But every once in a while, we catch a negative one. And we think we can just take care of it. I wasn't trying to get the negative, but I did. But hey, I'm a realtor, I'm a lender. I should be able to figure this out. Right. But there are so many different nuances with, especially with divorce, with the protocols, the courts themselves, the underwriting guidelines. I can give you an example of that in a moment if you want to, about just how we look at things differently when it comes to divorce, that it's a huge mistake when someone's not trained in learning on the job because now you have the blind leading the blind in a situation that has some very big important time factors. Yeah, and I think, I think the blind leading the blind is a great, great example because I think we aren't just salespeople. We are kind of leaders on helping people guide their journey on their their next place of living a lot of times, whether it's you know living into something, hey, positive, or hey, I'm sorry, unfortunate circumstances happen. We need to change and move in this direction. So I think that's that's great that you mentioned that. Um, so um, getting a mortgage after a divorce, you know, you mentioned the, the underwriting guidelines. So mm-hmm. what's what 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 are some tips that you can have for for clients that went through divorce and then you know, how much time or what do they kind of need to do to move forward from that point? Sure, absolutely. So there's a big dichotomy between real income mm-hmm. and qualifying income. Okay. Real income is what we can all show on our bank statements or, hey, look, I got this money. But qualifying income is what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and HUD and VA will decipher that, inf- that income as, whether they're going to let you use the income or not. So I'm going to give you a rule very specific to divorcees or an underwriting guideline. It's called the rule of 636. Two numbers, Mm 636. Let's just say, for example, that he has agreed to give her $5,000 a month in child support. Okay. Okay, well, that's... Okay, we have a court order that says that. We have documented agreement. With all due respect... We need to know that he is actually abiding by the order. There wouldn't be the term deadbeat dad if everybody abided by the order. Right. Again, I said it with all respect. So the first number is six. We have to see six months of historical receipt to show that he has been abiding by the order. Mm-hmm. If it says 5000 if he even on one of those months he pays even a dollar less than 5000 we start the clock all over again, which is very important. What if he's covered a couple of the utility bills that month, say $200 worth of utility bills, and he said, well, hey, I'm going to give you $4,800 this month. Yeah. Please don't do that. Pay the $5,000, let her reimburse him $2,000 if that's the agreement. But yeah. we want to see six months or more of historical receipt. That's the first number. Here's where it gets really interesting. The second number, 36. We need 36 months of continuance of receipt of that income into the future. At least 36. Yeah. Anything less than 36, we can't use it. Well, what if he is going to pay her child support until their daughter turns 18? What if she's 16 years old right now? What if we have less than 36 months of continuance? We can't use the income. Mm -hmm. 
fact, just while you were doing your notes, I scratched out some notes of my own here. Yeah. Um, let's just say, for example, that we have a situation, I don't know if you guys can see it on here or not, he's going to pay her $5,000 a month. Mm -hmm. But the daughter turns 18 in 30 months. Right. The last I checked, 30 is less than 36. Right. We can't use the $5,000 of income. What if she needed, let's just say, $3,000 of income to qualify in addition to her, her job income to qualify to buy him out and get that new loan? Right. What if you brought someone like me in early when, you're, when they're hashing out the agreements and I said, well, guys, if you do this, I can't use a single penny of the $5,000 of income because we lack 36 months of continuance. She can't keep the home in this case. And oh, by the way, she can't refinance the loan and give you your $50,000, mister. Yeah. You might want to hear how, how I solve this for you. In this situation here, $5,000 a month for 30 months, he's agreed to pay her $150,000. What if we instead, to accommodate the six months and the 36 months, have him pay over 45 months, mm -hmm. drop the payments to 33, 33 a month, we still hit that 150,000 or real close to it. He ends up paying the same amount of money a little bit less each month over a longer period of time. Right. But now we have over $3,000 of qualified or usable income to help her qualify for the loan. That's great. This is not something that the attorneys are gonna hash out. Yeah. Nor are the divorcee and homeowners going to figure this out mm -hmm. because they, they're not privy to these guidelines. So uh, just one of the reasons why bringing me in early can really help folks out. That's excellent. Okay. Absolutely. Um, that's that's all I have you know, for today, Jason. And I appreciate you coming in. Of course. All the way from San Diego. Yes, um, my pleasure. And um, obviously, if, if there's more, you know, prop, you know, Episodes come in and talk about uh, you know divorce and real estate. We, we can. I, there's a big tent with taxes, and I think there's other uh, stuff we could talk about until you know the cows come. <laughs> sure. Well, there's one thing I can just tell your viewers before we go. Yeah. Here, and I usually begin with this because I, you know, we live. And the bottom line is, you have people who are going through a real tough time. They need facts. We can get, help them get through these things. That's why we have all these professionals on the divorce team like yourself, like mm -hmm. the family law attorneys, the family therapists, you know, the accountants, we're here to help them out. And so we do mean well. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we're happy to help out whenever we, where we can. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming. And uh, everyone, thanks for listening in to the Millennial Realtor Podcast. And uh, we're here to help you live the American dream. So until next time. <laughs> <laughs>